You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show. And I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Big shout out if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. Welcome to the show. I hope that you enjoy it and also consider checking out some past episodes as well. And for those of you who are regular listeners, you guys rock. You're amazing. And I always appreciate the support so much. A big thank you to my incredible sponsors, inlpcenter.org, offering a world-class online neuro-linguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. So today I'm joined by Kathy from DiscussingDissociation.com. Kathy has her master's in social work and started her website in 2008 as a free resource for anyone wanting to learn more about dissociative disorders. Since then, it's developed into a hub for dissociative trauma survivors, their loved ones, and their supportive team, including videos, blog posts, shared artwork, podcasts, educational materials, and more. On the podcast today, Kathy and I are discussing dissociation and in particular dissociative identity disorder or DID. Kathy shares her expertise in this field as we cover topics including losing time and dissociative amnesia, the types of trauma that contribute to the development of DID, tips for spouses and supportive partners and family members, how DID does not mean that you're crazy or psychotic, addressing someone with DID and talking to all of their parts or alters, and more. If you live with DID or you have someone in your life who is a dissociative survivor, please consider sharing this podcast with them. You never know the difference it might make in someone's life. So let's jump right into my chat with Kathy and discussing dissociation right now. Okay, what I do. Um, all right, my name is Kathy and I am a clinical social worker, have been working in the field of trauma and dissociation since the mid-80s, so that almost dates me, but I've had 30 years experience in the field, um, kind of got handed a lot of trauma cases in the beginning, kind of, they just sort of kept falling into my lap, and then even my first uh, case where I was sort of working with a person with uh, DID, which back then was called multiple personality disorder, but that sort of, hand, you know, fell into my lap as well. I loved it. I loved the idea of the puzzle of putting the pieces together, you know, what this beautiful little young person, she was a teenager, uh, what she was going through. And, I, you know, I just stuck with the field. And since then, oh, gosh, that was the 80s. So since then, I've just done everything from individual work, uh, group work, spouses, families of, you know, trauma survivors, I worked in a hospital, did 10 groups a week for years. I've worked outpatient. I've had hundreds of clients. 
I've done online stuff. I've done websites. I've done forums. I've got a blog, all that stuff. <laughs> now I do phone consultations and email consultations. I mean, all kinds of stuff is happening. So, so um, just working in whatever way I can to reach to the dissociative population and, and help teach about the, you know, the dissociative issues because it's, it's very complicated. So there's lots, always lots to teach. Yes, indeed there is. There's there's so much to teach. There's so much for all of us to learn. And of course, we're still learning um, as we go along more and more about um, dissociative disorders and all the different types and how they affect us and how they manifest themselves. And so let's kind of talk about something here that um, I know you know the answer to this and I know the answer to this, but there's still a lot of stigma around it. So when we talk about dissociative identity disorder or DID, these, um, you know, sometimes we get words, they hear words like psychotic, crazy, or they're just faking it or, or looking for attention. So maybe you can address that right off the gate, um, because I know that that's still, even in this day and age with all of the research and everything, yep. you know, and all of the uh, articles that are written and all of everything on social media, it, there's still a yep. lot surrounding, um, you know, DID and calling people crazy. Yep. Yep. That, that is, it, it does happen. It's, it's not as, as well, I don't know. Shouldn't say maybe it's not as extreme because it just happens all over the place anyway. And it, I mean, when I went to school, that you know, way back when in grad school in the eighties, early eighties, there was only two hundred multiple personality people in the world. That's what they said, you know. <laughs> so I've officially met all two hundred, but by now, but I mean, but the the real truth is, there's we think it's three one to three percent of the population, which means you know, world population is seven point four billion. That's seventy four million. DID people in the world. That is a lot of people. So I don't think that there's that many people faking DID. <laughs> what what it means, the unfortunate side of that is it means that there's um, there's been that much trauma. That's the really sad part. Um, it, it's it's a very genuine and creative and complicated response to a very severe and complicated trauma that happens to very young children. And then, you know, it starts in the childhood time frame and then it expands through the years. But it's, it's a very legitimate thing. I mean, if, if you grow up in a, in a calm household where you've got, you know, gentle and healthy and kind caretakers, you don't need to do these, you know, extreme methods of coping in life because life isn't that extreme. I mean, you've got other strategies to use, but if you're a child left on your own with severe trauma and no real help in terms of a caregiver and a parent, you have to create these other ways of, of managing, you know, because you're a little bitty, you got to deal with extreme trauma, you got to go to school the next day or whatever it is, and so you have to split apart. That's just what they do. So it's it's very real and it's very sad that it's real, but it's also very exciting that people can have that kind of ability to manage something so extreme. Now, it, it can feel psychotic and crazy because of what happens. You know, when you start feeling like you're 10 different people or 20 different people and, and all, the, all the chaos that goes with it. So it can feel crazy and it can, you know, like, is my name this? Am I five? Am I 25? Uh, I don't remember what happened yesterday. I mean, the, you know, the symptoms and all, you know, the flashbacks and the, the mix up and the noise and hearing things in your head. All, I mean, all that can be mis, um, misunderstood as crazy, but it's actually not crazy because it's, 
if you have the context of DID, everything makes sense. And it's very grounded in reality. I mean, even if it's grounded in the past, it's still grounded in reality. It's not like they're psychotic and coming from the moon and, and they're in a spaceship flying over Russia. It's not anything like that. You just have to have the context of where it came from. And then it will always, always, always make perfect sense. So that's mm. very different from psychotic, if you ask me. No, absolutely. Extremely different. And I know just from doing this show and my blog over the last several years, I have learned so much myself just from the people that I've interviewed, the people that I've written, my own research about what it is and what it is not. And there's so many amazing people out there who live with the ID who are who are doing everything they can to shine light on this, to, you know, to shine the truth on it, to help reduce the stigma and the shame and everything that goes around it and all of the misconceptions. And um, one thing that kind of popped into my head, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, cause it's not something I it just, I literally <laughs> just thought of it. So, um, but we know <laughs> that, <you're> um, <laughs> well, good, thank you. So we know that, that DID can manifest itself as a result of trauma. But of course, not everybody who was a trauma survivor develops DID. So is there any type of, of correlation to different types of trauma or circumstances that might cause someone to develop DID, like, you know, a particular type of trauma or other things that might um, increase the, the potential of one person versus another? Okay, well, I'm just going to go back off of my experience as opposed to try to pull off stats from any official research, okay? That's good. I like that. In my experience, yeah, working with the dissociative population, the difference between the DID population and other people out there in in the, the world is that in my experience, every dissociative survivor I have talked to has had this massive... Gosh, this whole laundry list of things that have happened to them, like numerous events, numerous times, numerous years, numerous um, abusers. And they, so there's, it was like this, it's an excess of trauma as opposed to some folks who've had some trauma, but maybe not, not as much, not as many occurrences. But then the other piece in, in my opinion as well, the other piece of what makes someone have to split is not only to having the trauma itself that is either extremely painful or extremely, extremely scary, or they've been threatened. If you do this, we'll, you know, we'll kill your dog. If you do this, we'll tell your mom, you know, I mean, something, there's always some very serious threat. But the other piece to the trauma is that they're very, in most cases, there is no one on the other side who can actually comfort and help and support that little bitty child in what just happened. So even if, even if um, there is a parent there, like a, a, you know, the non, even if there's a non-offending parent, I mean, in probably in most cases for dissociative survivors, there's both parents are offenders in one way or another, but in other times the, the, the parent might be completely oblivious or they don't know, or they're, or they're sick or they're ill or they're away or they work, you know, across the country, there's, there's just no one there that can really, really, really help the child address the trauma and say, hey, what that creepy guy just did to you wasn't okay. It's not your fault. You're not bad. Like, they, there's no one there to help them. There's no one there to say, I'm sorry you were hurt there. I'm sorry you were, that this happened to you. And so the, it, the child is left completely on their own to deal with this massive event that doesn't even make sense to adults. You know, I mean, when we're assaulted and offended as as adults, it's hard enough for us to deal with it. But if you're a child by yourself, 
it makes it, and then you have to rely on the, a lot of times the very same people that hurt you. You have to turn around and be, you know, you know, um, they're the ones that feed you or take you to school or buy your clothes. I mean, you have to rely on them. So you have to have a relationship with them. You can't get away. And so that's to me is part of what splits them. There's no escape and there's no help for the trauma. You see, so there's all these components as opposed to someone who may have been hurt by when they visited grandpa, but they're not necessarily hurt when they go home. You know, I mean, that it can be a little more isolated event. They can know that they're okay here and they're safe here, but they weren't safe over there. But with a dissociative child, they just don't have that safety spot. They don't have it anywhere. So they have to create it in their mind. And then that's where they have to either split themselves or push that trauma away from their mind so they don't think about it. They need that separation somewhere because they don't have it anywhere else. I'm so glad that we're talking about this because of all the podcasts that I've done, I don't think I've ever asked that question. So I'm so glad you're able to shine some light on it um, because it's something that I thought about asking before and for one reason or another just never came up. But, you know, thank you for sharing because it does. I mean, I mean, I just learned a few things myself. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, oh, good. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I know um, one of the things that I have talked with people about who have asked me about DID because, you know, I have some I have some content on it as well. Is it a good idea or not a good idea to try and talk to the different personalities of someone with DID or should you only try and talk to, quote unquote, the real person? And, you know, and, and I say this in the most kind way, because so often when you are, you know, talking to somebody who has DID, you know, whether you're educated about it or not, and you, you may have the best intentions, you're not exactly sure how to to address them, how to talk, what to say, what not to say. So maybe if you can share a little bit of insight in the best way to just communicate with someone. Yeah, that, that's a great question because I, I get asked that all the time, you know, and, and I have my approach and my approach is absolutely you talk to all the people. They've come mm-hmm. up and said hello to me. So I'm going to say hello back. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) I'm not going to say, hey, well, I can't talk to you because you're not, you know, you're not Sally at the front and I only know Sally. So therefore, you know, go away. I'm only going to talk to Sally. Now, I do know um, there's a lot to this question. I do know that there are some there has been some certain approaches where people will say you can only talk to the host person and not to anyone else. But I I just don't go with that. I, I don't go with that at all. I will sometimes talk through the front person and say hello to the others inside that way. But I will always, 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 always speak to anyone and everyone in the system. And as far as who is the real person, well, who is the, I mean, the real person is everybody because they're not any of them fake. They're all, they're all real. And who is real is the sum of who everyone is. Now there's different parts that have different roles some of them might use the legal name or the body name, whatever you want to call it. They, they know to answer that. They know the outside world knows them as that name, but they might have their own very real name on the inside. So to me, every, every part is very, very real in who they are. It's like the mind because the mind got, because of this extreme trauma place where they were created in the first place, right? They became frozen and stuck in that place, in that time, that age, that way of thinking. The mind is literally gets separated and divided into these different places and people and events and times. And, and it's, it's as real to, to that person who they are, that they think they're five years old, 
they are five years old. They can't understand why they're so tall. Sometimes they don't even think they're that tall. Um, you know, so you have to present, you know, or you have to connect to where that person is with where they really are. And that's really where they are. They're, they're, they're different ages and stages and, you know, you just got to go with who you've got. Yeah. But it's, yeah. The, the who is real is everybody. They're all real. And exactly. somebody will just have the front role. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great way to lay it out there. Um, it's, it's so easy to understand that way because you're right. They're all real. They're all, um, you know, they, they all are that person. So trying to single one out or try to figure out who you're talking to can be very hurtful. It can be very confusing. It, it just creates a lot of undue pressure on, on, on both of you. So, you know, just address them, um, you know, as you know, because yeah. they're all real, they're all the same person. So um, I love it. That's well, great. No, go ahead, please. Plus, it, plus it, it can get really mixed up, too, because sometimes you can have a distinct one somebody there, like a certain somebody. But mm-hmm. sometimes you have a, a kind of a mix. You have maybe a few people sort of there or at least present. Maybe somebody's, a, you know, think of a classroom of, of kids, of people. You know, you've got maybe the one that's talking the most in the classroom, and then you've got the quiet ones and the shy ones in the back. But they're still there. They're still real, even if they're not as vocal or as noisy. But that's, mm-hmm. that's just how it is. You have to sort of get to know everyone. But sometimes, sometimes there will be two or three or four or five, however many, listening at the same time. And if you say, well, who are you? They might not know who they are because they're a combination of everybody present. So, so they are lots of people. <laughs> you know, and then sometimes it gets very, very distinct. They're only one. And they can switch very distinctly to another only one. You know, so it's it's a combination of a lots of things, but it's like if you take a if you take like a, a chocolate bar or so everybody most people like chocolate, so let's say that, and you've got one big Hershey's chocolate bar, okay, mm-hmm. and then if you drop it on the floor or the table or something, it breaks into two. Well, which piece is the real chocolate? You know, and what if it yeah. what if you crack it again and it breaks apart into four pieces of chocolate? Well, which one's the real chocolate? You know, they're all the real chocolate. And if you hit it again, you know, you hit it again, it has more and more trauma, right? You hit it again and you hit it again. It breaks apart into more and more and more pieces. But every piece is still as real as the other piece. They're all the same in terms of that. That is the best analogy I have ever heard. I love it. (laughs) It's so great. (laughs) Yeah, because you need everybody to fill in the hole of who the real person is. You need everybody. So every little piece, whether it's a big piece or a little piece, every single piece of that person is real and every single part matters. Could not agree more. I love it. So uh, something else I want to cover and something that fascinates me, um, partly because I have lived with this and still do, is when we talk about losing time or um, dissociative amnesia. And um knowing that I, that there are parts of my childhood that I don't remember. Um, some of it are small gaps. Some of it are larger gaps. Um, and, you know, over time, since I started working with a therapist about the trauma, it has, you know, uh, some of those memories have come back. Some of those gaps have filled in, but there are many that haven't and, and may never. So maybe you can talk a little bit about DID and, um, you know, amnesia or losing time and how common that is, what it is, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's really common. It's part of one of the diagnostic things. Um, the, the, the phrase losing time has always kind of made, felt funny to me because it's not like time goes away and there's this time warp and there's no, 
you know, <laughs> oh gosh, that whole year didn't exist. Well, it, it did exist, and it did happen, uh, and maybe you've lost the recall of that time frame. But, but what I, the way I think about losing time is that that means you've switched. To, I mean, if, if for someone that's DID, okay, I'm going to, I don't know enough about your personal thing to answer that, but I mean, in terms of someone that we know is DID, if they haven't got any recall of all of third grade, for example, they have no idea, they can't tell you anything about it, well, chances are somebody else inside was the person who was there and present for third grade, and they hold the memories. So for that time period of time, the time, the, the memory got stored in their filing cabinet. So they hold it. And if you're over there in this room and you, you have your own filing cabinet, but you can't get to that one because that belongs to them and they're in that room with the door shut. So you don't even know it's there. So the time isn't lost. It just went from this person was in charge and then that person was in charge. So to fill in the missing time, you have to find out who was there for whatever was happening. I mean, obviously, obviously we don't all remember absolutely everything in our lives. I mean, none of us do. I certainly don't. But in the end, I'll tell you what, the, the dissociative people who have all these memory issues, right, and they, they can't remember this, can't remember that. But in the end, by the time you've talked to your system and you've gotten to know the stories of your, what everybody says, what, you know, their life story, because their life story is that piece of the, of the chronological puzzle, so by the time you get all the different pieces of all the different stories, the social people in the end have a far better memory, a way massively huge better memory than us normal regular singletons who have, you know, very old brains. <laughs> so it, ultimately, you know, your DID person will remember more because they've been able to contain it in all these different parts. So it's just a matter of finding out who has that information and that, you know, who, who can you talk to? Who knows that? And then that fills in the time gap because it, um, it does feel like missing time. I mean, because if, if one person is there and then they kind of wake up and it's five hours later and they have no idea what happened in between, because that happens at absolutely at, at that amnesic wall. I call it that damnesia, you know, because you know, it seems to get in the way all the time. But the, the more the person goes, oh, okay. So I've been away for the last five hours. Who's been here? Who was out? What did y'all do? Where did you go? What did we do? Did, were we just asleep? Were we watching TV? Oh, someone's made a, you know, I can see someone made a peanut butter sandwich in the kitchen. I mean, you have, they have to sort of know who inside, then check within their system to see who was present during those five hours. Because the five hours happened, they literally happened. So it's just a matter of who was present versus who was not. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes a ton of sense, and it's, and it's a great way to explain it, and I think it probably clears up a lot of misconceptions for a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, for me in particular, I was never diagnosed with DID. I kind of, I'm in that kind of catch-all DDNOS where I have several, you know, different types of disorders that all kind of fall into, but there's not one that's more pronounced than the other one, so... Um, you know, but now I'm glad that you were able to explain it that way because it, it does help a lot. And uh, something else I wanted to, to 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 talk about too is there are many people who listen to this podcast who are spouses or friends or siblings or or you know family members of someone who um, has DID. And you know, yeah. 
it's you know it's like it's almost like this too like whenever you look for for resources for trauma victims you know there are things out there there are books and videos and courses and therapists and all these things but there's always seems to be fewer things for you know the person who lives with somebody with DID or lives with somebody with trauma the helping you know friend or partner or caregiver so maybe there's do you have any advice or insight that you can give them that might be able to you know just perhaps help them in their relationship with someone who lives with DID Oh, yes. You know, um, one of the groups I did in the, back in the, starting in the 90s was a spouse group. And um, I, I, it, my previous form, I had a spouse section. And then my new form that's coming out, probably going to also have a spouse section for spouses, partners, fr- you know, friends and family. Because, because it's, as, it's as difficult for the spouse and partner. I mean, we're talking about the non-offending you know, people, you know, not, not the mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. who are... Who, you know the the legitimate ones that actually are genuine loved ones. Those ones, right? It's right. it's important for them to understand what DID is and what the trauma is, and it's it, it's so complicated. It's complicated for the survivor themselves. It's complicated for the mental health professionals to understand it. Well, you know, I mean, what about the person does live there? <laughs> I mean, it's really complicated for them too. Like seriously complicated. So what, you know, they need a lot of help in terms of just, number one, understanding what the diagnosis is and understanding what is normal. Like, you know, oh, when my, when my partner does this, are they lying to me or have they just switched? I mean, is that lying or are they amnesic? See, there's, you know, because one can really destroy your relationship if someone's just lying to you. I mean, that's going to break all kinds of trust, right? But if you can understand, oh, the certain elements of this, behavior that you're seeing, that actually is your partner switching. That's now somebody else who has a different opinion. And yes, Susie over here wanted to, you know, go outside and walk in the park. And now, you know, Sally over here um, refuses to go to the park. So, you know, you have to, as you know who you're, you're with, that kind of contradictory information can make more sense. And you you don't have to you don't have to personalize it as the spouse. You know, you don't have to feel like, oh, what, you know, <laughs> the fight or what are you doing? Are you lying to me? I can't, you can't make up your mind. What's happening? So, the, you know, it just creates so much friction in a, in a relationship if the spouse doesn't also get a chance to understand who they're, who they're with and who they're living with. So that's, that's one of the main things. But it's, for a spouse also, it's also important that they accept the whole person. And this is really challenging because some of Every DID person I've met, you've got, you know, there's some pretty dark ones in there. And there's, you know, because, they, the, you know, the splitting of the system had to split based on extremes and extreme emotions and extreme situations, right? So there's going to always be some in there that are really extremely angry or upset or what have you. It makes it real difficult then in, in the home. So, but even with the spouse, they're going to see that person probably, you know, maybe more than the therapist does. So that it's still important to somehow accept the whole of the system and somehow make connections and relationships and friendships with everybody. And as hard as that is, because it's hard, <laughs> it's, it's still really crucial because if the, the system isn't accepted by their, by their spouse and they're going to always act out and they're going to have reactions and problems. I mean, it's, it's just going to continue. Right. So that's an, a big thing. Um, 
it goes back to what I was saying earlier about meeting, getting to know the different parts on one by one. Because mm -hmm. if, if this one likes ice cream and this one likes pizza and this one likes to read books and that one wants to, you know, has a TV down really low and quiet in a dark room and that one likes to be in the bright outside sunshine, you know, the more you can know each individual person, you know, what they want, you know, where they're going to go, what they're going to do. And as it flippy flops, because on the outside, we're seeing the person just flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, 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 you know, change, 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 change. But it will make sense if you think, oh, well, now I'm with this person. Oh, well, and now I'm with, you know, now I'm with, you know, Susie. Now I'm with Sean. Now I'm with Suzanne. Now I'm with, you know, Stacy. And, we know, you know, as it switches, if you know who they are as the spouse, then you can keep up. And it doesn't feel so crazy making in the sense that why is this person just being so moody? Yeah, and you have you, you have know. so many resources on your website discussing uh, dissociation dot com. There are there there's a link up on the top menu called supportive helpers, and there's articles there for friends of multiple supportive spouses, mm -hmm. trauma therapists, all kinds of amazing stuff on your website, which I'll link in the show notes because I myself um, frequent your website. I'm looking at the art and the articles and everything that you're doing here, and all of the comments everybody is leaving on just your website that offers so much, uh, you know, so many resources for so many. Um, and one of the last things I wanted to talk about was perhaps you can share a few of the main keys for healing when you live with DID for the person who lives with DID and ways that the family can support them. Okay. I will say, let me just say one more thing about the spouses. The yes, spouses, please. if they find it stressful, they must have their own support as well. That's, that's one of the key things. I mean, it's not always about your, your, you know, your survivor person, partner over there. As a spouse, if this, is, this is a heavy load. I mean, it truly is a heavy load. So if, if you're struggling with it and you need someone to help you and to understand it, and you probably just need to debrief. I mean, spouse groups and spouse forms are really, 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 really helpful and essential because you're on the front lines of it. So it's also important for spouses to take care of themselves. So I just have to, have to highlight that. Okay, main keys for healing. Um, one of the very most important things, and probably one of the first articles I even wrote on the blog, was about safety. Because dissociation is all about dissociating away from trouble, away from the conflict, away from intense feelings. And so if the person is still experiencing harm or danger or pain, um, violence, uh, abuse of any sort, then there's, their dissociative walls are going to stay in place. And they're, you know, they need them. They're, they're going to stay thick. And, and so everything that the person has learned to do to, to comply with trauma, because right? that's what dissociation isn't about getting away from trauma, really, because they couldn't actually leave the trauma. So they just had to separate from it and then comply with what was happening. Somebody had to go along with it, right? So, but but if if they're not safe in the current day, then those all those all those um, complying with abuse strategies are still going to be in place. So one of the main things is you know being away from any kind of ongoing violence. And if if you're a system that's involved in current day abuse, there's a lot that's going to be a very complicated problem to solve, and it will take some time, but but go right there and work on that. That's one of the very, very first and most important things to, to work on. And that leads right into the next thing I would say is, is for DID folks, they have to work on their system work. It means you have to get to know who your people are. You have to know who is who, who talks to who, who does what, who has what skills, who remembers what, who can do this, you know, who has this strength, who can help with that, who can help with that. 
because as you work with your team, then you can solve problems way easier. But if you're if you're one part of the system and you're trying to solve all the problems, well, you're you know you've handicapped yourself because you're not using all the resources of all the people you got inside. So you must actually get to know who your people are. Because see, I'll jump this way because a lot of times because it's a trauma disorder, you know, people think, oh, you got to work on your trauma first. And I say the opposite of that. You know, I mean, obviously you can't completely negate or ignore all the trauma. But but if you don't know your system and if you don't know your people and if you don't have a relationship with them and if you don't have that effective teamwork and communication and cooperation going on inside, as soon as you start tr- going into memory work, you're going to trigger folks and it's going to set this off and it's going to set off suicidal thoughts and self-harm thoughts. It's going to be way too much. It's going to be all too much emotion. All this chaos, boom, 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 everywhere. But And so starting with memory work is just disastrous because, you just again, you've got that whole response to trauma because they ha- that's, that's what they've learned. They haven't actually learned how to do something different. So working with the system first and building system connections and building friendships and relationships, then then as as the internal team, then they can hold that information, they can contain it, they can have compassion and, and sympathy for for you know little Sally over there who went through something terrible because now they know who Sally is. It's not just this strange random flashback. You know, it's become something that actually makes sense to them. And and the other the other thing I would just add to the the whole concept of, of healing, it's real important to also get grounded in the here and now because, you know, some of that stuff gets frozen off into certain times way back when, you know, they, it feels like 72 or 1987 or anything but now. And so the more, the, the more of the system can, can, can see or know that it's right now as opposed to back then, that will help because hopefully right now is safe. You know, it goes back to that other point, right? And if they can connect to right now, then they can they can get their needs met now. They can they can have new positive experiences now. They can do something that's fun or enjoyable or healthy. They can finally get those needs met that were never met when they were five. You know, the flip side of a five-year-old never getting their needs met as a five-year-old nowadays when they're when your five-year-old comes out, they can get their needs met as a five-year-old again. So you, you almost get a second chance to do that. Yes. Um, so what's your dog's name? You have to tell us because we've been hearing him. Refer. Well, that one, that one is Jojo <laughs> or Joe Bob or Joe Dirt or Dirty Dirt because he runs around and plays in the dirt all the time. <laughs> he, he's, he's just determined to be involved in every conversation. And he's, you know, he's, he's got pictures on the blog and he's, he's actually pictured in my, um, I have a little saddest little bear story pack and the, the the dogs are part of the story, and his name is not Joe in the story, but but he is actually in he's he's featured in there as one of the characters in the storyline. So <laughs> we love yeah it, it, dogs right here on the podcast. It always it always adds a nice little uh, unique element to the show, so I love it. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, but Kathy, well, this he's is supposed to be outside. <laughs> But he's like, hey, I'm supposed to be in there with you. What do you mean I'm out here in the yard? Exactly. Well, you know, <laughs> of the you. next time I bring you on the show, you can have him right there beside you and he can throw in his two oh, cents. Oh, then you would really hear. You would really hear him. <laughs> <laughs> 
this has been oh, awesome. I, I, Kathy, I, I thank you so much. I, I, you're, I, everything you've shared has been amazing. Um, but I want to make sure that we um, respect your time and give you um, a chance to share more about your blog and what people can find there and, uh, you know, where to find you on social media and all that good stuff. Oh, my blog. Well, you know what, Matt? I'm almost, almost to have my 10-year anniversary. Not quite, but in December, I will have been there 10 years. Wow. And so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do about that yet, but it's, but it's uh, I've got to come up with some sort of plan. But the blog is huge because, of course, over the years, it's just grown. There's uh, 400 articles. Um, there's a very active group that participates there. We've got, oh, um, 9,500 comments. And by the time I get you know, there tomorrow, there'll be 9,600 comments. You know, it just grows um, all the time. And that's beautiful because as far as I'm concerned, the comments from the DID population, those are your real experts. And so, you know, they're responding back to the articles and, and then back and forth to each other, almost in a mock form type of situation. So that's great if you want to learn about DID and what, and what the whole associated population thinks there's a i've got the 101 ways to see did free report um if if you're not sure about your diagnosis or if you think you might be dissociative or if you think you might have did but you're not sure get that free report it's not an official diagnostic tool but it shows 101 plus things that are very, very common in, in DID life. You know, uh, you probably won't have all 101 of them. There's actually more than 101 in there. But you'll, if, you have, if you find yourself going, oh, I've had this, I've done this, this relate, oh, I've done this, oh, okay, oh, okay, mm-mm-mm. If you start checking off that list, <laughs> you, then, you know, chances are you've got a very, um, you know, very likely to be dissociative. The more, the more you relate to, the more dissociative you are. Obviously, at the blog, I do phone consultations. That's happened for quite some time. I've got another lady that also does professional email consultations, and uh, I do more the phone. She does more the email. Um, she's highly skilled, highly skilled in this area as well. So that's another really good resource. Um, I could just mention the story pack. That's for a lot of pe- folks who are newly diagnosed or trying to understand who their people are in their system that um, there's going to be a series of stories that's the first one is out I'm working on the second one now um, so it's it's on its way um, the other thing I'm about to release hopefully in October because you know we know that October is a, a pretty difficult month for a lot of trauma survivors mm-hmm. so hopefully I'm going to have the brand new DID discussing association community forum so I'm working with my computer girl right now, and we'll see how that, how quickly I can get it off the, out there and off the floor for everyone to, to get to. But um, everything from trauma stuff and hopefully the spouse stuff, and then I've been getting some requests for therapist stuff. So we'll see if I can get to that, but, you know, step at a time here. And, of course, we're on all the social medias, you know, Facebook, Twitter. It's discussing DID is the Twitter handle. Um, Pinterest, we get a lot of views on Pinterest, and I do a tiny bit on Instagram, not much. I can't keep up with all this stuff. So, but yeah, <laughs> it is a lot, right? There. Yeah, awesome. Yes, yeah, yes. I... <laughs> yes, and the, and the YouTube channel, we got videos on the YouTube channel. Yes, but, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty. If you can't find us, you, I, you know, 
I don't know, I right? Mean, like, don't, you should be able to find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you just Google um, discussing dissociation, you will find it. It's all over the place. As you said, the blog, the social media, the free resources, all the articles, the comments. It's amazing. Definitely yeah. check it out. I'll link it there in the show notes. Yeah. Kathy, this has been awesome. I can't wait to bring you back and dive into some of these topics um, more in depth. But it was great to have you on the show for the first time. And I'm glad that we were able to get it yeah. all scheduled. Yes, Austin, it's 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 great fun to speak about. I mean, even though I talk all sort of silly, it's good to to have a voice because you know I've written so many words, so I'm glad to have a voice because I can say it differently than I can write it. So that's and if you could see my hands all over the place, I'm making all kinds of motions <laughs> as well. <laughs> but thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and absolutely would love to talk to you more about anything any further. I could go on for days. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, INLPcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.